To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service, without all the drama. Fans and welcome to another episode of Bulls HQ, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Eye Sports Podcasting Network. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the show. Very much appreciated. Coming at you straight after the Bulls have beaten the Los Angeles Clippers. Of course, they've done that, Bulls fans. They can't beat the Charlotte Hornets. They can't even register over 75 points against the Charlotte Hornets, losing 83 to 73, but somehow still find a way to beat the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, this Clippers team clearly were resting, uh, well, half of their rotation, essentially. No Kawhi Leonard, no Lou Williams, no Patrick Beverly. Obviously missing quite a few players that would have probably changed the outcome of this game. But as Jim Boylan noted after the game, the Bulls too were without some players, without Daniel Gafford, without Otto Porter, as if that was obviously going to really change the things or really change the landscape too much. But the Bulls have a way of doing this, don't they? They have a way of eking out a win that they probably shouldn't, but then finding a way to lose in spectacular fashion to a team that they most certainly should beat like they did, or they didn't do, rather, against the Charlotte Hornets. So just a weird, weird couple of days of Bulls basketball. Like I said, this 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 game against the Clippers, this is the type of win, or not even win, just the type of performance that we wanted to see, or at least expecting from our Bulls team. It was a, a good hard-fought game from from start to finish, really. It was a, pretty much a 48-minute performance. There was a few minutes, that obviously, they took off during the third quarter where they let a another double-digit lead slip to a single digit, so I think it got down from 14 points down to 5 points at one point, but they, I guess in previous games where they would have put their head down and maybe let this game sort of get away from them, they were able, able to actually fight back to the point where the Clippers were actually up late, but the Bulls went on a, a little 9-1 to one run in the last sort of minute or so to really close this game out, which was very much unlike the Bulls that we're seeing this season, so... That was a positive. Zach Levine was great in this game. He saved the Bulls again to a degree, having that and one basket at the end, but he wasn't alone. Chris Dunn was fantastic on defense, as he has been all season. Nine points, nine rebounds. He was tasked with guarding Paul George. Obviously, guarding the Clippers is made a lot easier when you don't have to also check Lou Williams and Kawhi Leonard, but Chris Dunn did a fantastic job on Paul George. There was a few few occasions when George made him look a little bit silly, but I think by and large, he did a great job on Paul George. Montrez Harrell was, was huge off the bench for the Clippers, having his 30 points and seven rebounds. He was always going to score well against this Bulls team, particularly the way the Bulls play defense against this scheme. You just can't have a guy like like Harrell out there who's going to kill you when he slips those pick and rolls. And he was doing that all night and just feasting on the Bulls on offense. So he was very good, but the Bulls still found a way to win. 
Wendell Carter had a pretty solid game, a nice bounce-back game for him. He's been somewhat disappointing over the last few games. 14.7 rebounds for Wendell. Lowry, only eight, eight field goal attempts were found a way to impact the game elsewhere with his 17 rebounds. Another element of this Bulls team that they've been really struggling with is being obviously on the glass. 50 rebounds today for the Bulls, and Lowry pulling down 17 of his own was huge in that regard. But... It took it took Zach Levine, it took Chris Dunn, it took Denzel Valentine hitting a huge three at the end to sort of draw the game level. But the Bulls found a way to 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 get a win here against the LA Clippers, which I guess is obviously definitely a positive. But in some ways, I, I've said this before, but I think these wins at the moment they do mask over some of the problems and concerns that we as a fan base more largely have about this team right now. And I guess that came to a head to a degree where pre-game John Paxson actually. Did a few, well, he did the media tour. He did his own little media tour in the sense where he had a, a public sit down with, with Casey Johnson, with Darnell Mabry, and also with Joe Cowley as well. He did a, a, a Q&A session with those guys to the point where he was just, I guess, fronting the media and getting it out there in, in terms of what his answers were in terms of the current situation with the Bulls. Obviously, it's been not the start that anyone wanted after 28 games. The team is 10 and 18 against the light schedule. That is not great at all. So Paxson almost had to come out and say something because it was pretty much just been Jim Boylan really just baffling his way through media press conferences, either before games, post games, whatever it may, whatever it may be. He's been the lone voice really from the Bulls side of things talking. So I think the angst among the fan base... Just the, the fact that fans aren't turning up to, to games in the way they were previously. Paxson had to come out here and say something. And whilst he did say something, he didn't really say anything at all. He, we didn't learn anything new, let's put it that way. Obviously, there's going to be no changes coming forward. He, he made it very clear that Jim Boylan is still the right man for the job. There's going to be no other further changes. There's no changes coming from a front office perspective. Obviously, he's not going to. We didn't expect him to admit these things, but whilst he did roll out the accountability line, it's really hard to take that line with any sort of seriousness at this point, given the amount of times that Paxson has used it, and obviously given the amount of times that there've been zero repercussion at this point. So. Paxson came out, he did his media tour, but whilst he said a lot, he really said nothing at all. So that, I guess, is probably the biggest story, I think, at this point, more so than the Clippers win, because whilst this win here was whilst was fun, it was interesting against a good team, they finally beat a team that had a, a, an above 500 record. The Bulls now hit the road for a four-game road trip against the OKC Thunder, the Washington Wizards, the Detroit Pistons, and the Orlando Magic. All of those teams aren't great. They're all winnable games, but it is a four-game road trip, so we'll see how that sort of plays out. But I think, as has been for most of this season, the state of the franchise and you know everything that's happening away from the court, the personnel, these sorts of things, that's really the main issue with this Bulls team still, even after a very good win. And, and I think that's what we still need to be focusing on as fans. I, I think this win was a timely one. It was a nice reprieve, but I, I don't know if it takes away from the central issues that we as fans are facing when following this Chicago Bulls team. So what I thought we could do today, rather than me just going on and on and on about my feelings about this Chicago Bulls team, I think in reading Paxson's comments to Casey Johnson, to Darnell Mabry, I think it's pretty clear that whilst they say that they understand the the fans' frustration, I, I don't really know if they feel it. 
They, they, they can see that the United Center is not filling up like it used to, but do they really truly know that the fan base is enraged as what they think it is? Maybe they do, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like or it doesn't come across that that that's registering given that there's been no suggestion of change coming coming forward at all. So what I thought we could do, given that Paxson doesn't necessarily want to address the fans or at least make moves that the fans want to see and, and have been clamoring for and ultimately really deserve at this point, what I thought we could do is get you on, get the listener of the show on, get your opinion of where on what the state of this franchise is. So rather than just hearing me whine about the Bulls as I often do every other week, it's over to you now. Your your, your chance to complain about this Bulls team and um, get your thoughts out there. So what I thought we could do is get Bulls fans involved, get listeners of Bulls HQ onto the show and get them to share their thoughts on what is what is really frustrating them with the Bulls at the moment, given the start to this season. 10 and 18, it's not the start that any of us thought, but uh, let, let's head to the listeners now. Let's start with Vincent Wong. Vincent, thank you for coming on Bulls HQ, a long-time listener of the show. Appreciate you uh, coming on, mate, and finally getting the, the chance to speak to you. Yeah, it's great talking to you. Um, been a, I mean, since the beginning, actually, uh, for, for your pod. And uh, I'm a big consumer of all uh, Bulls content and uh, really appreciate you and all the other great podcasters out there that uh, put out this great content. No, thank you, mate. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for tuning in. It's um, kind of worthless without having uh, people tuning in, so I appreciate you doing that. But whilst um, whilst it's nice to get those pleasantries out, mate, at the same time, we we catch up here to discuss a team that isn't going that well. They've obviously randomly pulled out a win against the Clippers here. And I mean, I'm not surprised by that to an extent, given the Clippers were resting half the team and the Bulls have a history of pulling out random wins when they probably shouldn't whilst dropping games that they they definitely should, shouldn't but I, I guess this win against the Clippers does mask, mask some things at least initially because obviously prior to the game Paxson came out he did his press tour he probably is doing it now to save face to a degree because uh, Jim Boylan has been the lone one out there speaking on the ball on behalf of the Bulls so I think Paxson had to get out there and say something because the fan base is disappointed understandably and I wanted to get your opinion on what you generally think of a fan of uh, being a fan of this team. I mean, what is what is your driving concern at the, at this point? Is it the playing group? Is it, is it coaching? Is it something more? Just just give me a quick insight as to where your head is at with this particular fan uh, franchise. Or I mean, uh, well, with regards to like tonight's win, um, I mean, I, I'm a little bit of a betting man. I kind of follow lines pretty closely and uh like to say road back to back still undefeated <laughs> so <laughs> um but yeah i mean it it marks a lot of like interesting things that we see and like zach zach did do a really good job in the, in the fourth quarter and i think one of the things that we see with this fan base is we we turn on guys really quickly um especially mm-hmm. the want to be like leadership roles and that kind of stuff and like with Jimmy, with like uh, Derek, with a lot of the guys in, in Chicago and who are very talented offensive players, I mean, everyone has their faults and we're really quick to blame like the lead guy, the guy making the most. And Zach's not even making the most, but, you know, like it's very quick to put the blame on guys like that. And especially with when they have such high usage in the fourth quarter. So it was, it was really good seeing Zach having a good game like this, but it masks a lot of the issues that we have with this team. Um, it's just, there's, and it, and it trickles from the top, you know, like uh, the little apathy that the Reinsdorf have towards this group when they keep a regime they're 
for like what 15 years now or i don't even know how long yeah 17 i think for Paxton, 17, yeah 2003 it's been a long time um it's and, a damn long time <laughs> and 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 it's showing through the through the fan base too like we slowly turned in an apathetic year i mean we Full disclosure, I was I've been a big fan. I've been going to ten ten games about ten games a year and uh, spending my good arm money in there. And uh, and uh, this year I haven't even gone once. Um, and it's mostly because I had a baby. But you know, I've had chances to go and just kind of decline because it's hard to support this product right now on the floor, um, especially when. Uh, upper management has shown apathy towards the product, and uh, it and it, it kind of starts from the, the front office. It's, it it they've been in there for fifteen years or seventeen years, and it's just time for a new regime. But with this ownership group, it's hard to see any light at the end of the tunnel, um, just because of how loyal they have been. And it's not just with uh, John Paxson, it's not just with Gar Foreman, but it's also with you know Kenny Williams and. Uh, and the White Sox organization too. It, it kind of parallel in a certain way, so it's hard to see the light in the tunnel. And fans, as fans, I see. I feel like we turn on the players quite often. Uh, and and I'm I am also prisoner of the moment sometimes. I, I've been pretty hard on Lowry this year, and he, he seems to have turned it around. I've been hard on Wendell sometimes, and he seems to turn it around. But uh, ultimately, I think. The the general pro like the main problems stem from from management, and you know, and me and you, we have been huge Jimmy guys, uh, and uh, we kind of feel that had they had any confidence in themselves to build a great team, they would have done it with Jimmy, but because they didn't have the confidence that they would put like good talent around him. That's why they had to blow it all up, and they just kind of bought themselves a couple more years. But do they really feel like I don't know? Do, do you feel like they uh, are worried about their job security whatsoever? Yeah, this is something I go back and forth with, you know, quite often because I don't know. Maybe if I'm Gar Foreman, I'm feeling a little bit scared about my job security. But if I'm John Paxson, then then I'm probably not, even though that I'm the, well, not I'm the one, but he's probably the one that um, is probably more likely to be the driving force behind Jim Boyle and being in place with, along with Michael Reinsdorf. So I don't know, Paxson probably doesn't feel it in the same way that Foreman does, but I, I'm kind of convincing myself at this point that even if Boylan were to go, that I don't think that changes much at all because, well, it certainly doesn't doesn't change ownership. But I don't even know if it changes John Paxson's role. To be honest with you, I mean that that's probably why you see him like just full on like uh, doubling down on Boylan, right? Because yeah, yeah, he doesn't feel like he, his job's under like any sort of scrutiny, and with Gar. Has Gar even been in charge for the last like three years? No, he's he's taken a back seat. He's he's, I mean, he's still there. His voice counts to a degree, but certainly not to the certainly not to the way it did previously. And and we as fans certainly don't see Gar as visibly as we once did. So I can't believe that that our foreman's role or his stance within the organization is what it was. So. To me, this all stems back to Paxson and Reinsdorf, the the younger one, the son. But um, ultimately, it goes back to Jerry too. So I don't know. He he being John Paxson reaffirmed his position to Boylan today. Boylan says suggested as much after the game that he and and Paxson uh, are lockstep as they typically are. So 
I don't know. We can talk about the players and the players coming through the United Center, and I completely agree that we take too much of an aim at the players. But if it doesn't start or change at the top, it, do we really have much hope at all? Um, I mean, do you have hope in this franchise? In this franchise, in terms of things maybe turning around at some point to a degree that it has with a team like to like a team like the Phoenix Suns, let's say, like they still aren't a great team, but they got the right personnel in place from a coaching standpoint, even though they had a. You know, they, even though they still do have a, a crazy owner, they, they've still managed to get it together somewhat on the court. Do you, do you think the Bulls can do something similar? We really shouldn't strive to try to be the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they, they are a team that did pass on Luka Doncic, right? That, that is that is definitely true, and I completely agree with you. But I think that sort of sums up the state of this <laughs> this franchise, given that I'm that my base at the moment is comparing them to the Suns rather than a team like the Lakers or someone like that. I mean, last. I mean, at the beginning of the season, I remember uh, a lot of people being like, "Hey, you know what? We could be the Sacramento Kings." And I <laughs> to tear my hair out. I mean, I was. Are you kidding me? That's like you're going from a team that, like, you know, won championships and then went to the Eastern Conference Finals with a really good contending team, and now you want to be the the Suns, the Kings. Like th- that's. I mean, you. We gotta have standards here. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that is that's fair enough. That is certainly fair enough. And maybe my uh, maybe my standards are dropped too low. But I think you make a fair point. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just underselling what maybe this team could be. Or I, I do have grander hopes, but I don't know, Vince. I'm um, I'm down in the dumps at the moment. So maybe that's just clouding my perspective. I do have. I, I, okay, so uh, I'll 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 kind of backtrack. I, I am a little optimistic because, and this this is uh this is this is a fire take, I guess. But Zach is probably the most offensively gifted player I've seen come through the Bulls in a long time. Uh, like he he there is nothing on offense he can't do outside of maybe outside of like create on his own on in isolation, but. I mean, he can still do that, but it's not the prettiest thing because he doesn't have necessarily the spacing to go around. But I would say um, Wendell, they, they kind of reduced him to just like a, a rim roller, and it's 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 kind of sad to see. But in a certain sense, he needs to kind of take a little more charge in the offense and kind of back up his his hard talk. He's been talking. Like he's saying like he wants to be a leader and he wants the team to win, but – at the same sense, he hasn't really taken control of this team and he hasn't really done the things that we wanted him to do in, on the offensive side, like stretch it out to the three-point line, make the make the assists, make the passing. Uh, and they've, for the most part, just used him as a, a DHO kind of player. And that's not how you use Wendell Carter. We, we, know, we all know that. And Lowry's taking a step back. And I've never had, like, huge ambitions for Lowry. I, I thought he... A lot of people were calling for him to be an all-star this year, and uh, it was like, yeah, let's take a step back. Let's see him do something outside just score. And uh, he hasn't really – and when he doesn't score, he's not particularly effective in other, other aspects of the game, although he did have a really nice rebounding night tonight. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's tough. It's it's tough to see, find some silver lining with, with this uh, current batch because we know that – I feel – in my eyes, they're – the, this regime is really good at finding role players, right? They're they're, they're actually really good at that. Um, they will kind of, like if we had a player uh, to put around, I, and I think they would be able to kind of build a great team around them, right? And they did it with Derek, right? They they put some great role players around. 
and they had one with Jimmy, and they just pissed it away because they didn't believe in their ability to bring in role players, which is the only good thing they're good at. And, <laughs> and it's just it's just rough. It, it it is rough, and it's hard to find a silver lining. And they somewhat have to luck into it again. And they did it before. They've done it with Rose. They've done it with Jimmy. But yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to find the silver lining. Um, but but they're good at finding role players. They're good at not spending a lot. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, that is definitely their strengths. But um, you know, maybe if they hang around for another seventeen years, maybe they are. Uh, maybe they find another <laughs> another superstar to build around. But uh, look, Vincent, I appreciate you coming on, mate, and sharing your thoughts. I think you've summed up a lot of what I think, at least. Uh, I I think we take aim at the players too quickly and too often and it's hard for the for a playing group to maybe overcome some of the some of the bigger issues that are sort of that are stemming from this uh this franchise that are like you said coming from the top but uh, i appreciate you coming on mate and thank you for your support over the years um and yeah thank you for coming on bulls hq oh thank you for having me it was a great talk so thanks again to vincent for coming on let's quickly jump on to the next listener who's on the line and this one Another long-time listener of Bulls HQ is KC Scott. KC, thank you for jumping on Bulls HQ, mate. No, thanks for having me. Maybe we can start very high level, very holistic about your general sentiment as being a Bulls fan at this point, particularly after when you or when you hear or when you read John Paxson come out and basically say he's committed to Jim Boyle and he's committed to the team as, as it is currently constructed. There will be basically no change. He, he takes accountability but makes no change. What are, what are the thoughts that go through your mind when you either hear that or read that from someone like John Paxson? My first reaction was frustration. You yeah. know, I read that interview and uh, kind of combed through for anything to suggest that there's a bottom that the organization considers unacceptable. Yeah. You know, you would think that we would have passed that games ago, you know, whether it's posting 73 points against Charlotte, basically getting blown out by nearly every 500 plus team that we faced um, and didn't find it. And that was that pissed me off. Um, but I got to say, the second thought that I had after I sat with it for a minute is that maybe there's a silver lining here. Maybe John Paxson isn't talking about making changes because he's not empowered to make changes. Maybe he really is tied to Boylan in the way that we hoped when they, when he gave him that ridiculous extension. I mean, I think a number of us thought, Hey, uh, maybe this is John Paxson's last hurrah. If Jim Boylan doesn't work out and has to leave, John Paxson will follow him right out the door. So Maybe this is a guy who realizes that he's not going to get a, get another chance at this. And so he's saying all the things that a guy who's completely tied to this regime has to say, which is that I got to see this thing through. Um, I still believe that it's going to work out because the alternative is that there's a Bulls future that doesn't involve him at all. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. It's, it's an interesting way to look at it. But I, I guess, look, I've had those thoughts myself too, but... The thing that always pulls me back is the fact that Paxson once tried to leave before, but when when he tried resigning, he actually got promoted, and that's the way it seems to work with this uh, with this Bulls organization. One run on nepotism to a degree. So, whilst I would like to think he is tied to Boylan, and and he ultimately is to a degree, do do you fully believe that even if Boylan was to go, that that someone like Paxson would have to follow him out, given it's one of the Reinsdorfs that would ultimately be making the decision on Paxson's future. Do, do you think that 
do, do you think that's possible at all? I think it's possible. I think the odds are definitely worse than 50-50. Yeah. I mean, it, it does seem and it has seemed for a long time that the Reinsdorf's prize familiarity and comfort more than anything. And that's something that John Paxton, a guy that they've known for literally 25 plus years at this point, offers them that the rest of the field can't. So I, I, that probably wins the day, unfortunately. Yeah, I think I think that's de- definitely true. But I mean, why why do you keep coming back to this Bulls team to to this franchise? Like myself, like probably most people listening, we're all diehards for whatever reason, and we've all got our own reasoning for that. I go back and forth as to why I'm wasting my time sometimes with this team, but I can't seem to escape it for whatever reason. But interested to hear from you, why is it that you keep coming back to this Bulls team despite this inept? operation that uh, continually sort of takes place not just with Jim Boylan I think it's unfair to just lump it all on Boylan but there's been a a cast of issues over the last sort of five to ten years themes that have consistently stuck around but for whatever reason this fan base is super loyal but why is it that you keep coming back to this Bulls team? I mean to be honest it doesn't really feel like a choice Um, (laughs) I I wish I could tell you that I'm working through a thought process and have found a way to justify it but you know, I turned 40 last week. I've been a Bulls oh, fan. Happy birthday, man. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. I mean, I've been a Bulls fan since six years old, um, you know, and I'm kind of old school in the sense that I believe that you're stuck with the team that you were raised to follow. And, yeah. you know, so for me, the alternative isn't jumping to another team. It's it's kind of leaving NBA fanhood in my rearview mirror entirely. And that's just, it almost feels like, the Bulls don't get to take that away from me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's as twisted as it is that yeah. you know the alternative is that I follow a team that doesn't deserve you know the the kind of fanhood that I've poured into them over the last thirty four years. Um, they don't get to be the thing that takes away the, thi- the, the the sport that I love most. So it's stubbornness and it's backwards, and I, I don't see myself walking away. Unfortunately. No, that that was beautiful. That was poetic. I, I mean, I I kind of feel the same to a degree. I mean, I've been following this team religiously. Well, we're almost into twenty twenty now, so yeah, probably twenty twenty five years. It's it's kind of ridiculous. You pour that that amount of time, that amount of energy into a team that it's hard to peel yourself away from them, unfortunately. So they have us for better or worse. But do you have hope that there are that there is change on the horizon? Do you see it in this playing group? Do you see it? Well, maybe you don't see it necessarily with Paxson, Boylan, and those sorts of things, but is there a reason to be hopeful? Do you have that hope at all? Uh, you know, um, I guess I have a long view kind of hope. I don't see change under Paxson. Um, I don't see, certainly don't see change under Boylan. So I, I, if we're talking about the next two, three, four-year horizon, no, I, I don't see anything getting better unless we have a stroke of lottery luck and you know as a be the right stroke of lottery luck i honestly believe we could get the number one pick this year and it wouldn't change our fortunes dramatically it's not that kind of draft um i i guess what i'm pinning my hopes to is the possibility that the economic reality of what this team is is finally hitting home for ownership you know the attendance figures Number twenty, you know, we're twenty-third in capacity, something like eighth in total attendance, and 
there are real implications there. I can't remember who it was that pointed out that Reinsdorf was every bit as loyal to Jerry Krause as he is to John Paxson now. And the thing that finally broke the dam is the team just wasn't getting the same revenues that they had in years prior. And so this guy who we thought at the time would be forever, despite all of his mess ups that when you look back are pretty much on par with what John Paxson is doing now, if not worse, he's dislodged and it's a revelation. And suddenly there's a new era. Maybe we're getting to that place, you know, like it's been what, 17 years and over a course of 17 years, you feel like it's not going to happen, but eventually change does happen. So maybe we're there. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we're getting to that point. And uh, look, I hate saying this, but I, I, I think so long as things remain bad and continue to get worse, then maybe that is what drives change. Whereas if maybe the Bulls sort of play at a new 500 record from here on out and I don't know, get to get to 32 or 35 wins and some things are maybe sort of, you know, washed over to a degree. I don't know if that really fixes anything. I think that probably masks the issue. So I'm almost of the of the opinion at this point that things really need to get worse before they can get um, better, I suppose. So I, I kind of want to see the... <laughs> this this mess continue to fester, but I mean that's that's probably a bit that's that's a, that's a dark existence to be going down. But uh, at least that's where mine's my mindset is right now. But um, Casey, look, I appreciate you coming on, mate, and voicing your opinion. I think you articulated what a lot of people definitely will be feeling. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on. I appreciate you still sticking with the Bulls. I'm glad I'm not the only one who seemingly can't separate myself from this team so if nothing else mate you've uh you've reassured me of that then it was worth getting up today <laughs> <laughs> definitely but uh thank you for coming on mate all right take care appreciate it mark all right so thank you very much for casey for that call i really did enjoy that one moving on though let's bring in steven Donzelski. steven how are you mate appreciate you jumping on the show yeah, no problem man Mate, um, I'm interested to hear from you. I'm, 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 like I said, I, I from the top here, I don't really want to spend my time just waxing poetic about this Bulls team. I'm interested in hearing from the fans of this team. So explain to me your disappointment and, and who it's aimed at specifically. Is it the coach? Is it the players? Is it management? Is it ownership? Is it all of the above? To take me through your, uh, your, your quick thoughts on that. Yeah, I think there's something to say, even if it's just a little bit, towards basically all of those things yeah yeah. so i mean obviously with with the product on the court with the players like obviously if you're missing if you're missing shots you're not going to win the game so coaching will obviously have some impact in terms of practicing and just being comfortable and getting in a rhythm and managing rotations dealing with getting in a rhythm too but bottom line if you can't make your shots you're not going to win the game so seeing guys like laurie and zach you know have their good games obviously then you have games where they go like, you know, two for seven from beyond the line. You know, Zach shoots like, you know, he has that one perfect game, seven to seven, but then he has like two of 15, three of 15. It's like, okay, well, we need some form of consistency there. And that can be kind of levied both ways with the coach and the players, I think. Um, yeah, for sure. But I mean, look, I, I have a hard time myself just aiming, taking aim at the players themselves. I mean, they're definitely 
you know, periodically through this season have been bad themselves. So they definitely deserve some element of yes. blame. But I keep coming back to the thought that some of these players are maybe miscast, like Zach Levine, for example. He's clearly not a number one option or not, not a primary option at the level of a James Harden or someone of that nature, he, or even a Jimmy Butler or someone like that. He's not at that level. And that's not to say he can't be a productive player. So I, I kind of feel like the players themselves have been put in a tough situation. So I, I always come back to boiling. I always come back to management. And I know that's a tried and true thing, but I can't help but feel like that's where most of the blame belongs outside of obviously ownership. But how do you feel about Bulls fans taking target, taking target rather at Boylan, taking target at Gar Packs? Obviously, we we all know about the the fire Gar Packs sort of billboards and the moniker itself. But do you think ownership get away with it too much in the sense that we've all resigned ourselves to the fact that you can't necessarily fire an ownership group? So we we always resort to blaming blaming others like Boylan or blaming Gar Packs and those sorts of people. Yeah, and, and I'll say first, I agree with you that the players, it's a very small amount on the players. I'd put much yeah. more of it on guys like Garpax and Boylan, etc. But that that was just the the little bit about that. But yeah, I agree that um like when it comes to like Garpax, I, I read um the interview, one on one interview Casey Johnson just did with Paxson that he just yeah. published not too long ago. And the the most frustrating thing that I'm I see from that is just like how 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 quickly like Paxson pivoted from that media day. Like I think you posted on your Twitter, the video saying that him and boy, like, yeah, our goal is to make the playoffs this year. We're going to keep on training. Like we're a playoff team. We're going to go out there and compete. Like we're a playoff team. And now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, you know, and, uh, Otto got hurt, and you know we got all these guys that we're trying to develop. I know Boylan said at one point, it's "Like I got 15 guys to develop." It's like, no, you yeah. don't. You don't have 15 guys to develop. You got Zach, who's somewhat established, albeit not at that superstar level, but he's an established player in the league. Laurie, yeah, he needs some work to do. Wendell, Kobe, they're new guys still, so I understand that. But you don't need to develop 15. And when it comes to like how quickly that pivot came in, it's like he seemed so like. I, I didn't I didn't listen to it. I just read the text, but it just seemed like there's it seemed like he was just comfortable with it. And I understand you have to be ready to like, you know, realize the situation that you're in. It's like, oh man, this isn't working out the way we want to and we gotta kinda go to development. But it's just such a such a shame to see that this is how it's happened so quickly too. Cause like I understand this wasn't the plan by by any means. But I feel like that you have to see it coming. And in, in regards to the the fan calling out Boylan, like I have, I agree that I've seen some people say like, oh, it's not like much different than what you're doing like on social media, you know. And I agree with that too. But it, saying it like in person to their face, like especially after the end of a brutal game, it always hits a little bit harder when you actually like you're in person and you're saying it differently. You know, it, it comes off like just different it's it's a lot more it sounds a lot more malicious when you actually have like the voice and the intent behind it rather than just typing it out on a keyboard yeah exactly i'm glad you brought that up actually because I, I i was one that didn't have a a great view of that that video that did the rounds after the hornets game with that fan was yelling at boiling and i i get why that people are okay with it and the frustration and i'm not necessarily going to sit here and say that People can't do what they want. They pay their money to go to the game. They can boo. They can you know, yell at the players, yell at the coach, do whatever they want. Like I'm not going to sit here and say you can't do that. But just my, me personally, I think that's a bad look. Yeah, I mean you can you can be a bit of a keyboard warrior and take aim at Boylan. But to your to your point there, I think it 
it's just more aggressive, more personal when you get up in someone's face. Not well, they didn't get up in his face; they were from the stands yeah. and were yelling at him. But it just feels more aggressive and more brutal than what it needs to be. So I'm glad you made that point. But Stephen, look, I appreciate you dialing in, mate, here and and, and spending a few minutes to talk Bulls with me. Obviously, you're a frustrated Bulls fan, like most of us are at this point. So appreciate you um, dialing into Bulls HQ. Appreciate your support, and um, yeah, thanks thanks for coming on, mate. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Go Bulls. And yeah, go Bulls. Well, not, not maybe not so much this season, but maybe maybe things can turn around slightly going forward. But uh, thank you for dialing in, Stephen. But let's move ahead to the next listener who has dialed in. His name is Luigi, and he joins me now. Luigi, thank you for jumping on Bulls HQ, mate. Maybe quickly give us a give us an overview of your Bulls fandom, your Bulls history as a fan, and why that has left you so disappointed at, at the state of the franchise right now, particularly after we learned today that basically there's going to be no changes coming from John Paxson and the like. Sure. Uh, so I moved to Chicago uh, almost seven years ago now, and uh, I started uh, following the balls when I moved. It's been frustrating going through this is the second rebuild now um, under the same management. So for me, it's not as long-suffering as it has been for other fans, but it's still been... Just a very frustrating uh, time to be a fan overall. This franchise is, you know, a historic team. And to watch this display of faith in a management that doesn't really have anything to show for, you know, for all the confidence that the Reinsdorfs have shown in Paxson and Foreman, there really hasn't been anything to repay that or to justify them guiding you know, another rebuild. And especially this year was supposed to be the payoff for the last few years of tanking. And the team seems to be getting worse. I mean, this team to me, uh, player-wise, I think that there's the potential to be a better team. When you see it when they play, um, you know, playoff contending teams, they're not bad. They're poorly coached and there are some issues with roster construction and that's another issue with management is there doesn't seem to be rhyme or reason to uh, the acquisition of players. You know, some of the players, we we don't really have a playmaker at all and it, it just seems like a collection of players more so than a team. Yeah, I I completely agree, mate. I I can't argue. And I mean, you mentioned seven years there that you've you've been a fan, but that's still a long time. I mean, most... Most uh, management teams don't generally get seven years in the sport, particularly if they're not super successful. And I guess through that seven-year period that you've sort of been following the team, it, it's been a probably a downslide since that point. So, I mean, Paxton's obviously been here 17 years now. So seven years is still a long time, though. But to your point, it, it, it's, it hasn't sort of materialized the way we thought it was going to de- based on what we all thought, I guess. Like, playoffs were the goals. That was the stated aspiration before the season so interested to hear from you now where Paxson is maybe sort of moving the goalposts a little bit in the sense that he's suggesting that he and Boylan and Gar and basically wherever else spoke on media day didn't necessarily categorically say that playoffs were the goal obviously they did say that but he's sort of moving the goalposts now where he what he meant to say was that uh, playoffs, or at least competing for the playoffs, was was the goal. How do you feel about someone like Paxson coming out today and doing his uh, media tour, his press tour, and doing it via, I guess, not necessarily on camera, via words, but and, and, and moving those goalposts? How does that sort of sit with you as a fan? 
not well at all. I think it's yeah. an absolute display of cowardice. I mean, I think they... It's one thing if, you know, you, you established that the goal was to get to the playoffs and it doesn't work out for whatever reason. And you say, well, that was the goal. It's not working out. We're working on it. We're trying to figure it out. But to come out and just backtrack and try to pretend like, oh, you know, we thought maybe if the stars aligned correctly and the moon hit at the right angle, we could possibly maybe make them. No, like you said at the beginning of the season, very clearly, and from an ownership perspective, from a management, from a coaching, everybody said, we're going to be a play, or the goal is to be a playoff team. And just going back and what had very clearly been established as the goal for this season is worrisome sign of, it just shows a lack of accountability at a very, very deep level as an organization. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration is coming from the fan base. And for the first time, I would say, at least in the time I've been following, it's reflecting in the attendance figures, which yeah. is the only thing giving me hope for any sort of change is if this downward trend in attendance continues, I think we may finally see uh, heads rolling, proverbially speaking, uh, sort of what I'm clinging on to. <laughs> No, I, I think that's. I mean, I feel exactly the same, and I'm kind of hopeful that maybe if fans still don't show up, maybe if the team continues to play poorly, fans will not attend games, and if, if that hits the uh, the bottom line, then maybe that's what drives change because the Bulls have t- traditionally been a, a bit of a cash cow. They bring the Reinsdorfs quite a bit of quite a bit of money through the door. So if they could start losing some coin because fans are showing or not showing up because the product isn't what they want to be committing their time to, then I think that's when the real change will be brought about, but obviously we'll see how that plays out. But Luigi, I appreciate you joining me here on Bulls HQ. Thank you for dialing in, mate. Um, Hopefully there's better days ahead, but in the meantime, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for having me. All right, now onto our next call. And folks, basketball truly is a global game. And I mean, Followers of this podcast probably know that given the uh, the accent that I have particularly, but our next caller is dialing in all the way from Portugal. So to think that basketball truly is a global game and, and maybe more so than just basketball, our Chicago Bulls, they are a global brand and that's why I'm here podcasting and that's certainly why Pedro is on the line as well. Pedro, thank you for coming on, mate. Dialing in all the way from Portugal and, and fans need to appreciate this because time zones are not kind to Pedro when he's tuning into a Bulls game. It's currently 2 a.m. there for Pedro at the moment, but he's still a committed fan of this team. The Bulls are a global a global brand, a global team. Pedro, all the way from Portugal, jumping on Bulls HQ. Thank you for coming on, mate. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm interested to hear from you because like myself, you are an international fan. You follow this team from abroad. You, like I said, you do it in, in all hours of the night, but you keep coming back to us. So... Uh, is, is this franchise testing your loyalty at this point? <laughs> no, I think that the loyalty is never tested. I, I, I mean, it's 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 uh, above all, it's frustrating because it's a deep state of uh, it's it gets to disheartening. I, I would say, yeah, because you don't know. You above all, it's that sense that nothing will change. Uh, sometimes even with the other Chicago teams and other sports as you know that I root for you know that if you battle enough if you rent enough uh, things eventually will change but if the feeling with this franchise is that even though they don't care about your loyalty they don't care if you're loyal or not obviously I've seen a a rank uh, 
I think it was two or three days ago, that right now the Bulls are like 23rd in terms of um, attendance, which is which is atrocious. And still the front office doesn't seem to give a rat's ass about it. So, yeah, I mean they're all they're all fair points. They're all fair points, Pedro. But I mean, for you specifically, I mean you're 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 watching the game after midnight. I mean that's a, that's a significant commitment for you. So. Given that you see no change from management, from front office, or the front office and ownership and the like, do, do you do you not question things sometimes, or do they have your undying loyalty? And if they do, why is that? If you yeah, if you ask me that, uh, if I stay awake to all games like I did back in the old days when you, when we got all the gang together with Noah and Rose and Dang. If you ask me that right now, no. But it's not a matter of winning or losing. It's yeah. Uh, uh, they they have my loyalty forever, but I'm not yeah. stupid. I not follow them <laughs> until like a cliff. I will not jump out out of a cliff, especially for this front office. I would do it for this team because I'm a loyal. I'm I'm 100% bulls and will always be. But it yeah. gets to a certain point. When you start to question, what am I doing here at like 3 a.m., 4 a.m.? Sometimes you have to work and you have three hours to get some sleep and you see some things on the on the court that get you, why am I doing this? I mean, you know, it's just frustrating above all. No, I certainly understand your opinion. And I mean, like there are times where I question why am I bothering with all this? I mean, games for, for me here in Australia are generally around midday, so... I can sit down and, and watch a game during my lunchtime, which is okay on the weekends, not so good during the week when I'm at work. But I mean, for yourself, like you sort of just just illustrated there, it's 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 much harder for European Bulls fans given the uh, the time that you're sort of putting into the team and and literally the time that you're having to watch. So I think the fa- uh, this, sorry, I think the franchise needs to understand that. This is a global team. They have so much support from around the world. So it's not just the fans in Chicago that are hurting at the moment. It's literally fans all over the world. So they've got committed Bulls fans like yourself literally dialing in from or watching the games from um, from Portugal. But, I mean, what is the one main significant change that you want to see? Is, is it about the playing group? Is it about management? Do you want to see new ownership? Do you think that's possible at all? What is the one the one change that you want to see in the next in the next few months to 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 make you at least sort of stop questioning why you are getting up at two a.m. and watching this Bulls team go around. I th- I think we all lost. I think we are all tired of Reinsdorf. I think yeah. this is this is a team only. But this is true from the beginning. Reinsdorf only has eyes for the White Sox. We know that it, this this was established since since like forever. Um, even if in the Jordan days, obviously. It, he was into the team, but it was always a baseball baseball fan. Yeah, Michael is not that much, but Jerry was always like that. But I do think that the the ownership is out of the question, so I will not ask that because I know that that is impossible. But that is the the main point. I would like to see a, a fresh and new approach to the to the to the ownership, like we're seeing in other franchises. Uh, but that is out of out, out of possibility. But then you get okay, they will change Paxson, and you know how is the relationship between Reinsdorf and Paxson. And even there, the question is it possible? I don't think so. Uh, at least for the foreseeable future. Then it, it gets down. It gets to it, it's it's Gar Foreman in any way going anywhere. It doesn't seem so either. So. It starts the question: What will we change? Will we change a towel boy? 
the guy that, that that delivers models i don't know but for me it was ownership i think that's it's time for 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 jerry to to, to because it's killing the franchise it's killing the franchise and i think that what we are seeing right now, I don't see. I don't know if you have seen a picture in the other day with basically the top tiers all empty. What we are seeing right now, which is 23rd in terms of attendance in the in, in the United Center, this is the thing that can drive them to change, which is financial. This is purely a financial financially run team. Period. It always has been like that. Um, so that that's. My hope right now, I know that it sounds bad that I want to see the United Center empty, but if that is what is needed to make a change, so be it. No, I completely agree, agree Predra. I think that's that, that's the right approach. Hit them where it hurts, and that's obviously the wallet. So um, I think you're definitely right there, Matt. I don't, I don't know if we're going to get a, a different ownership group anytime soon, but um, if there's anything that can drive change, it's it's hitting them where it hurts, and that's definitely their bank account. But uh, look, mate, I appreciate you dialing in. Thank you for staying up for watching the Bulls. Thank you for dialing into Bulls HQ. I really do appreciate it. And um, thank you for supporting the team from abroad. Uh, but uh, thank you for jumping on Bulls HQ. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And just a final hint. We've been here when we've seen worse, way worse players than these, when our best player was Jamal Crawford and Tim Floyd was our coach. Right yeah. now we have a, a pretty a pretty talented bunch, and this is what kills us the most, I think, seeing some talent and no quality whatsoever. But thank you so much for your invite. It's great as always. Keep up the good work. And, you know, bulls forever. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Like I said, folks, basketball truly is a global game, but bringing this back into Chicago, I am now joined by Elias. Elias, thank you for coming on Bulls HQ, mate. Thanks for having me. No problem, mate. Now, look, like I've I've mentioned this from the top of the pod, but I'm interested in hearing from Bulls fans. I can wax poetic, get, talk about this team for, for for an endless amount of time by myself, but instead I want to hear from the fans. I want to hear from your disappointment. There's a range of people to blame. There's a lot of people to, to take aim at, but where is your mindset at at the moment? Is it at coaching? Is it at the playing group, management, all of the above? What, what, do, what are you thinking at this point as a Bulls fan? You know, for me, it's really management's decision to keep boiling. Yeah. And I think everything stems from that because from last year when we had the mutiny or, or near mutiny, whatever it was, yeah, I never got a sense that Boylan was ever going to come back from that. Uh, and that's a tough one because he almost lost, you know, Levine. He got him back. You know, Levine wanted to pay his fine, all, all of that kind of stuff. But I mean, you're playing with fire if for the first week you got a mutiny. You know, it's just, um, and it hasn't, like, there was so much positivity coming into this season. And I do believe, as far as player development, Otto Porter not being around because he's hurt is a big uh, problem because he is a, a kind of veteran, a kind of glue guy, a kind of guy that really cements the team at that small forward position. But also, as far as playmaking, he's like the second or first or second guy to like pass the ball around to, to get it moving. You know, it's just, um, they don't have enough of those guys or they don't know how to do it. You know? Um, no, I mean, that that's certainly a fair point. Losing Otto has definitely hurt this team. I mean, we came into the season 
probably we all were aware that the biggest weakness on the roster itself was the wing position. Obviously, Otto's down. Not 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 just Otto, but Chandler uh, Chandler Hutchinson is out as well, which doesn't help the situation either. So that was the one floor. Well. The, the biggest floor, I should say, of the roster coming in to, and to lose your two small forwards straight away is not ideal. But, I mean, to that point, Boylan has had Valentine sort of just sitting on the bench collecting dust, the only other small forward on the roster, and he was getting a, a range of DNPs for quite some time. So do you think the way he goes about his coaching, the way he goes about managing his players, do you think it makes sense given he had Valentine out of the rotation for so long, he had Gafford out of the rotation for so so long. We went basically five or six weeks without those guys in the rotation. So which speaks to your wider point about Boylan not being the right guy. Is it those sorts of things that you see from the coach that bother you or or is it something else? Uh, Those are the main ones, you know, and, um, just how he kind of monkeys around with a, with a roster, which everybody has been talking about. You know, it's like, all right, find, uh, you know, some kind of rhythm to your roster. You've had how many games already? You know, you've had a whole summer and you've had some games already. Um, find some rhythm to your roster um, so that, that guys know what their role is. Nothing against Archie, but too much Archie, you know, and then, and then too much Cornette and too much, you know, like, Stupid stuff. Too much bench when you need your starters out there to get, you know, warm back up and, and get in the game. And they're so cooled off in the fourth quarter that I don't know how many games they've lost in the fourth quarter alone um, just from those moves. But most of it is that the front – I want to go back to the front office and they're backing up Boylan all the time that the players got to be, you know, just uh, despondent. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I, how can you go about your work if you don't know what your job's going to be or what affects it? Um, why wasn't Denzel playing for the first 20 games? Why wasn't Gafford playing? And how come, why are they playing so well now? I mean, what what was the difference? What made the change? It, it seems yeah, yeah. arbitrary. No, I mean, they're all good points and, and, and it, I mean, from our vantage point, at least, maybe it's different inside the Bulls building. They like to always mention that, but maybe maybe uh, their relationship with Boylan is different. But it, from our vantage point, it's kind of hard to see how they build trust between coach and player when they're called out in the way they are in media. I mean, Zach Levine was obviously taken to task. That became a national story. We talked about Valentine, maybe less so for Gafford because he's a, he's a, a rookie. He doesn't necessarily have that established role as such but yeah it's 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 strange it's weird he's i mean we all know on listeners of this show at least know that i am not a boiling fan of sorts so i i I completely understand the frustration with jim Boylan. i think that makes sense and um you you know if that's where your the the majority of where your disappointment lies elias and i think that's completely fine mate but look i appreciate you for dialing into to bulls hq thank you for doing so and i think you're position on all on everything you sort of just stated is completely justified so thank you for for dialing in thank you for supporting the show and hopefully better times are ahead mate i hope so too thanks a lot take care all right now i think we've got time for maybe one more call so let's throw this one over to mikey he's dialing in as well mikey thanks for coming on mate um tell me about yourself tell me about your bulls fandom and what is bothering you bothering you right now about this team i'm tipping i probably know the answer but uh let me know mate yeah, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I've been a Bulls fan for a while, man. I initially, honestly, the 
like the love of everything started with like Lil Dang, Kirk Heinrich, Ben Gordon. That was when I was kind of growing up. Yeah. And really when Derrick Rose got on the scene, man, it really just took off. And that's I, honestly, I think that's when everybody started like really getting back into the Bulls. He started making more noise, but yeah, that's when that's when the love really just started, man. And lately, it's just been man, it's been rough. It's t- it's tough going right now. I mean, we Bulls fans we're we're suffering through it a bit. Like, I mean, we're used to we we're used to some sort of level of success. Success, obviously, it's been over twenty years since we've had a title now. But still, I mean, we're we're a big market team that is often often operating like a small market team and at this point with the the rebuild not going the way most people thought it would be or at least particularly this season in year three we all came into it thinking it was going to be a lot more positive it's obviously gone off the rails a little bit but what is what is the central issue that you have with the team at the moment is it the on-court product the players themselves or themselves or do you think Maybe that these players do have some untapped potential, but it's just not being squeezed out because those that are running the ship aren't the right people. Yeah, it, man. Like on paper, like when 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 this team was assembled for this year, like it looked pretty solid. The pieces that they, that they brought in, like I know Thomas Sadaransky, mm. like he did really good work last year in the Wizards with uh, when John Wall was injured, and I thought bringing him in would be a solid solid starter in the five with Levine and Markinen. And then also Thad Young can ball, man. Like, he can really play. Like, I know he's done really good work in Philly um, and with the Pacers. Like, he can play. But I guess it's just Boylan not utilizing his players right to get the maximum output that he can from his players. And it's it's showing throughout the whole season. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you can put the blame on, but... We've had a fairly easy schedule to start off with, and you're losing to Cleveland. You're losing, you're losing to the Knicks, to the Hornets. Like these are teams that they should have beaten, but they just they haven't. And I mean, you can put the blame on, I guess, Boylan for not putting his players in the in the right position to to be successful. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know who to put the blame on right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that that's certainly fair because I mean. It is hard from our vantage points as fans to necessarily understand, you know, how to assign blame or how much of it. Obviously, the players deserve some share. Whilst I'm, I'm more than happy to sit here and say that there is some talent in this group. I haven't given up on them necessarily. They do deserve some level of blame, given that they're not the ones that are able to make a simple jump shot at this point. But to your point as well, like Boylan deserves some blame, management certainly, ownership as well, but. They're the guys behind the scenes that we don't necessarily get to see much of. And unfortunately, it's the players that, uh, and even Boylan, I guess, to a degree as well, they're the ones that get hit with the criticism. But do you think there's going to be any sort of change coming in the, in the you know upcoming months, maybe even upcoming years at all, where, I don't know, do you think there's going to be something that changes in terms of not necessarily the players, because we've seen a lot of players come through the doors now, but do you think there's any change on the horizon in terms of the way the Bulls operate from a, a management standpoint? I hope so, honestly. I, I do yeah. like yeah. that the Bulls have uh, the All-Star game coming up in Chicago yeah. because I feel like it puts a spotlight on them where who knows if one of the Bulls will even be an All-Star this season, you know? I mean, yeah. I guess Levine is a front runner to to do that, but... With the All Star Game coming, I think it puts it puts the Bulls management in focus just to see because they've put that they were going to compete for the playoffs this season, 
and it's not looking good. And hopefully, if, if they're if they're still in bad shape, come All Star game, like really bad shape, I think. I mean, there has to be some change either either with the coach or man. It's so hard to say that they'll change like with anything with guard packs, just because I know Reinsdorf like usually sticks to his guns, but maybe something with Boylan. I'm hoping by the All Star game, but who knows, man. Yeah, it's it's tough to say because, I mean, Paxton is tied to Boylan to a degree, but someone that who isn't necessarily t- tied to Jim Boylan is Gar Foreman. So it has been reported or rumored that maybe Foreman may be the sacrifi- sacrificial lamb at, that Reinsdorf, Jerry, that that is, has not been pleased with Gar for whatever reason. And I don't know, I, I have my opinions on it. I don't think it changes anything, but interested to get your thoughts on if if uh, Gar Foreman is the one that falls on his sword, do you think that changes anything? And as a Bulls fan, does that appease you to get, I guess, one one guy out of there, but maybe not necessarily the, the one calling the shots at this point? It'll definitely be a step in the right direction. I mean, getting getting some type of change for that front office because honestly like ever since ever since Rose man and even then like they got super lucky with Rose like who knows who knows if they even compete like you know during that time without Rose but any any change in the front office that revolves around guard packs or even boiling would be a step in the right direction because it'll it'll show Bulls fans that like hey like we see it too we see the struggles like we're not we're not happy with this just like we're not like the fans aren't happy. We want Reinsdorf not to be happy too with the team that the Bulls have assembled so far. And yeah, I mean, everybody's frustrated. We need to see some change. Yeah, I, th- I think that's certainly true. I mean, we, we need to see change, but I don't know. I, I don't think that's enough. I don't think Foreman's enough. So uh, we'll see what the changes are, if there are any at all. We'll, that obviously will, we'll, based on what Paxson has said today, there's no change coming. So that's probably... The, that's probably the most frustrating thing to hear that they're just going to stick to their guns and we'll see how all that plays out. But Mikey, look, I appreciate you coming on, mate, voicing your opinions. I think the Bulls, the organization, they need to they need to start taking into account fans like yourself and, and where your position is with this with this specific team um, because it, I haven't really met a positive Bulls fan in the last sort of couple of months who's happy about where things are. But I appreciate you jumping on Bulls HQ and uh, voicing your concerns here, mate. Yeah, no, thank you for having me on, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you, Mikey. And thank you to everyone that has dialed in. And also thank you to everyone that uh, showed interest in wanting to be part of this. This is something a little bit different for Bulls HQ. I haven't necessarily had listeners of the show uh, come on before so that was cool it was a different experience for me and I certainly enjoyed it I want to do it again but uh, unfortunately I couldn't get to everyone so everyone that responded to me on Twitter that wanted to be part of it and uh, unfortunately I missed uh, I do apologize I sincerely mean that but I really do thank you for for your interest in wanting to be part of it uh, that does mean a lot to me so hopefully we can get around to doing that next time and I had a lot of fun doing this I think the fans need to be heard so if, if my small little platform here can get the uh, the Bulls fans on and, and, and have their voice heard I think that that's something I want to do it again so maybe for those that maybe didn't get a chance to get on this time around we can do that on a future episode of Bulls HQ but that just about does it for this episode of the show hopefully you enjoyed this one and I'm tipping that you agreed a lot with a lot of the callers into the show I think they they all touched on something a little bit different but I think largely the themes are all they're all things that we all definitely agree agree on as a fan base and I guess that's something that hasn't always been there. We as a fan base, particularly over the last sort of five to 10 years, 
maybe more so over the last five years, particularly around the the ending of the Derrick Rose era and and certainly through that Jimmy Butler era and, and obviously the Jimmy Butler trade. We we haven't been a fan base that has been aligned or hasn't necessarily been in, in unity together, but it seems like on this issue right now that the, the fan base is coming together as a collective. And uh, I think that was evident in the calls and I, I think most people will agree with what they heard today. So thank you to all that dialed into the show and hopefully you enjoyed this episode of Bulls HQ. We'll be back again Maybe later than a week, we'll, we'll, we'll see how this week goes, but definitely next week to wrap up how things have been trending for our Chicago Bulls. Hopefully, it's a little bit more positive, but that just about does it for this episode of Bulls HQ. Follow me online in the interim at MK Hoops. You can follow the show online too at Bulls HQ Pod. Hit me up on email if you want to send me a question. If you want to be part of the Bulls HQ Discord channel and want a link, hit me up on the email, bullshqpod at gmail.com. But as I said, that's all for today, Bulls fans. Thank you again to all those that dialed in. We'll be back again next week. Until then, this has been Bulls HQ. Speak soon, Bulls fans. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.